Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Mr. President, starring Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's Edward Arnold. (laughs) Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are the little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. In just a moment, Edward Arnold and our story of Mr. President. Right now, I'd like to ask how many of our country's past presidents can you identify? For example, do you know how many presidents have held office? Are you familiar with the major events that took place during the terms of James Monroe or Theodore Roosevelt. Well, each week, Mr. President brings to life tense and gripping moments in the life of one of our former chief executives, moments that most history books do not record. And you, as the listener, enjoy the thrill of trying to identify the president as another page of history is unfolded in these absorbing and stimulating dramatizations we present each week. Mr. President gives you the opportunity to test your knowledge of the men who have lived in the White House. At the close of the program, the name of the president about whom the episode is based will be announced. But first, try to guess who he is as his dramatic story is being told. Now, Edward Arnold as Mr. President. Let's visit him in the White House. It is Sunday, and the old mansion is resting quietly after a busy week. We walk through the great doors under the presidential seal, across the foyer and down the long hall to the president's study. Come in. Sit down, won't you? Did you ever want an apple badly and then not get it until after you'd had a big dinner and couldn't eat it? It's an early lesson in life that you've got to get what you want when you need it most, or it's no help to you. That's what I was up against in this story. And later on, of course, I'll tell you which president these events really happened to. But meanwhile, you may be able to guess. One of the most ticklish and dangerous jobs a president has is reorganizing his cabinet. He has to get rid of the men he doesn't want. One morning after a cabinet meeting, I came back to my study in a fine anger. Mr. President, I can tell Mr. Spencer wasn't there. I'm not putting up with it any longer, Miss Sarah. Have Senator Harper come to see me this afternoon. Fred, I've made up my mind to go ahead. About Spencer, Mr. President? I need harmony in the cabinet, Fred. There's the Southwestern Treaty to be put through. I've got a domestic program to carry out. The platform we were elected on. And I can't do anything without a unified cabinet. Is Spencer your only trouble? The War Department is the nub of the Southwestern Treaty situation. When I took over from my predecessor, the entire cabinet was his. Now every man has changed but one. But we still have the change to make. And this is the time to get rid of Spencer. And he must go. Well, 
I don't He's know. an able I... man. I, he's able enough, and I have nothing against him personally. In fact, I like him. But he doesn't fit into the cabinet anymore. But that's a hard reason to give in a political situation like this. I but... don't have to give that reason. He seems to have lost interest in being Secretary of War. It'll take only a very little push to get rid of him. But Spencer's immensely popular in the Senate. Too. I know that. And he's one of the few men from a northern state that you have in the cabinet now. I know that, too. If but you reject him from the cabinet, you lose his supporters in the Senate. And you need them, sir. The confirmation of any other man for Spencer's place would depend on how you get rid, rid of Spencer. Fred, will you give me credit for, for enough sense to handle Spencer properly? All I have to do is to get him to resign in the right way. I tell you, he'll jump at the chance to leave Washington. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. President. I'm afraid you've misunderstood me completely. Have I, Spencer? I'm very satisfied with my post. I'd be sorry to leave it. Oh, I see. If I've failed you, of course, that's different. But unless you can make me believe that, (laughs) I'm afraid you'd have to force me out of the cabinet. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to do that. You see, I simply got the impression you were, well, not happy where you were. You've missed a number of cabinet meetings. Uh... That brings up a subject I'm anxious to talk to you about, sir. My son, Philip. Oh, yes, yes. He's in the Navy, isn't it? Uh, some time ago, sir, while aboard an American naval vessel in a Brazilian port, he got drunk and grossly insulted a British junior officer. Hmm. He's been dismissed from the squadron and returned home. I've been having some very serious talks with the boy, sir. In fact, that explains my absences from the cabinet meetings and my general preoccupation. If you'll help me in this matter, sir, I can promise you a much better job in the cabinet. Well, how can I help you? I want to have Philip assigned to the naval training ship Summers. Why, that particular ship? Well, she's commanded by Alexander Slidell McKenzie. Oh, yes, yes. A fine disciplinarian, a man of very high personal integrity. I think he can do Philip a great deal of good. Hmm, The assignment ought to be easy to arrange, Spencer. Uh, Commander McKenzie refuses to accept Philip aboard the summons. Oh? Oh, just a moment. Uh, Miss Sarah? Yes, Mr. President? Uh, Miss Sarah, how long is it since I've inspected any naval vessels? Uh, four months, two weeks, and three days, unless my memory fails me. <laughs> it never does. It's high time I visited the Navy Yard, isn't it? I'll have the Secretary of the Navy arrange it, Mr. President. Then make sure the training ship Summers is in the yard, will you? I'm particularly interested in going aboard her. <laughs> of the United States. Mr. President, I'm Commander McKenzie, Captain of the USS Summers. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Mm, a very ship-shaped vessel, Captain. Thank you, Mr. President. Will you step into my quarters before you go ashore again? Thank you. Yeah, right here, sir. After you, sir. Mm. You're very snug here, Captain. Well, she's a trim little ship, sir. I'm proud of her. When do you sail again? In two days, sir, for African waters. Mm-hmm. Have you a full complement? We're even overcrowded, sir. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, did you have something in mind, Mr. President? Uh, I understand you refuse to accept young Philip Spencer aboard here. I'm allowed some latitude in picking the men I'm to train as officers. Oh, I'm not questioning that, Captain McKenzie. I was only going to ask why. May I be perfectly frank, sir? Please do. I'm familiar with young Spencer's record. I've seen many better men than he broken for less serious offenses. 
With all due respect, if his father weren't a high government official... Captain, I deplore persuasion as much as you do. In this case, I've been wondering if young Spencer hasn't suffered from it instead of benefiting. Uh, I'm afraid I don't follow you, sir. At the age of 20, Captain, not many of us are, well, balanced. I've seen the record of Spencer's escapade, and I don't want that kind of young man aboard. Captain, what if I were to say that you're the only man who might be able to save young Spencer? If I'm flatly ordered to take him aboard, of course I shall, Mr. President. Oh, I don't want to order you. I want to persuade you. His father's a very fine man. It would be a tragedy if his son turned out badly, only for a lack of a little understanding. Think it over, Captain, and let me know, will you? Spencer will be anxious. Hello, Spencer. I'm sorry to keep you waiting. Don't mention it, sir. Hello, Senator Harper. Mr. Spencer. Sit down, gentlemen. Uh, Mr. President, may I ask... I don't know yet, Spencer. I saw Mackenzie yesterday, and I left it up to him. I'm very grateful, sir. If he refuses, I don't know what I'd do. I've got to tell you, frankly, Spencer, I'm not optimistic. Mackenzie is a man who takes his job very seriously. I didn't want to order him to take your son and... Also, quite frankly, I think we'd better assume that he'll refuse. My wife will... Mr. President, Senator, I I apologize for intruding my personal affairs, but Philip is our son. Uh, Spencer, in the event that Mackenzie refuses, would you prefer a less exacting job than the War Department? I don't understand, sir. Well, the Treasury Department, for instance... I thought you were satisfied with me in the War Department. Oh, yes, I am, I am. But if your son is a worry to you in thinking of the cabinet meetings you've had to miss, I... I understand, Mr. President. If Commander McKenzie refuses, I may have to resign from public life entirely. Mr. Spencer. Yes, Senator Harper. I'd like to ask you a personal favor. Well, of course. If you do resign, would you come before my committee of the Senate and explain? Fred, that would be very humiliating for Spencer. I'm thinking of something else, sir. I see. If Mr. Spencer resigns, some members of the Senate may think it was not of his own will. Mm-hmm. That would be very damaging to the president, Mr. Spencer. I'm sure you understand. Yes, of course, Senator. I understand. I'll be happy to do it. You see, Mr. President, I... Mr. President, this just arrived for you from Commander McKenzie. It's marked urgency. Oh, sir. thank you, Miss Well, listen to this, Spencer. Dear Mr. President, the Bible says the son shall be punished for the sins of the father. However, in this instance, I take the liberty of of not agreeing with the Holy Writ. And as you pointed out, sir, it would indeed be a shame if a good man were lost for lack of a little understanding. In short, sir, if Philip Spencer will again apply for assignment to my ship, I shall approve his orders, signed... Alexander Slidell Mackenzie, Commander of the United States Navy. Mr. President, you've done Mrs. Spencer and myself a service we'll never forget. Uh, will you excuse me if I go and tell her? Why, of course, Spencer, of course. Uh, goodbye, Senator. And Mr. Spencer. Miss Sarah. Goodbye, sir. Uh, and, Mr. President, we don't have to talk anymore now about the cabinet, do we? No, Spencer, not anymore. <laughs> Good day, sir. Good day. Well, friend... Well, looks as if your plans have to be postponed. Yes, at least until we see how young Spencer makes out with Mackenzie. Mr. 
President. Yes? Mr. President, it's, it's awful. Well, what is it, Miss Sarah? He was only aboard Commander McKenzie's ship for eight weeks, sir. Philip Spencer, for heaven's sake, Miss Sarah, what's happened? He's been executed, sir, for mutiny by Commander McKenzie. He and two others. There's no explanation, only this report from the Navy Department that came last night. It's murder, Mr. President. Cold-blooded murder to kill a young boy. What harm could there... Oh, come in, Spencer. I'll be at my desk, Mr. President. Thank you. I just heard the news this moment. When... When Philip was born, sir, my wife nearly died. When she heard this news, she, she said to me, I wish to God I had died. Spencer, I don't... I wish, too, that she died then 20 years ago. It would have been better than watching her die all night last night. Still know she was living. What could I say to her? That he wasn't a good son? That he'd be better off dead? A poor thing, but mine own, Your Honor. I, I read that somewhere. or heard it in the theater. Mr. President, I've got to take my wife out of Washington at of once. Of course, uh, Spencer. I'll be going too, sir. I never want to see Washington again. It can only remind me. Uh, I'll give you my formal resignation later today, sir. Resignation? Spencer, I feel a great responsibility in what's happened. If I hadn't persuaded Mackenzie to take your son, he'd be alive now. You can't blame yourself, sir. I can't help it that I can't let you leave Washington until it's settled. Everything is... Settled, isn't it, Mr. President? He can't be brought back to life. As soon as Mackenzie's ship reaches port, I'm ordering a naval little court of inquiry. We've got to know exactly what happened and how it happened. Until we do, Spencer, I, I want you to stay right here, and I, I don't want to hear any talk about resignation. As you say, Mr. President, will, will you excuse me now? Of course, of course. Oh, I, I beg your pardon, Mr. Spencer. Senator... Mr. President, the news of what's happened is all over Washington. People are horrified. Naturally. You know, it's strange how things come about, Mr. President. It appears that Spencer will soon be out of the cabinet after all. What? A number of men in the Senate feel very strongly about the situation, and they don't feel Spencer should be asked to stay in his post. They want to make it easy for him to resign, and so a couple of them are calling on him today. Why? Oh, to say that they'll understand perfectly if he wants to leave. God knows none of us would have wanted it this way, sir. But the cold political truth is... That... Fred, you've got to stop those men from seeing Spencer. What? Yes. I can't let him leave Washington before we find out if Mackenzie was justified or not. I owe that to Spencer, to Mackenzie, and to myself. But this is your chance to solve your entire cabinet problem. That'll sir. have to wait, Fred, until after the inquiry. I can't use Spencer's grief as a stepping stone. <laughs> In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Have you ever paused for a minute in the rush of everyday living to ask yourself what it means to be an American? Well, it means every man is free to vote for the man he wants to be president or any other candidate for top government office. It means individual liberty, such as no other nation has ever known. Yes, the freedoms we enjoy are as natural to us as the air we breathe. And just as we rarely notice that air until it's cut off, so we tend to lose awareness of our freedoms and how essential they are. Yet what has happened in Europe during recent years proves that our liberties 
can be destroyed. That's why every one of us should be aware of our individual rights and take active participation in the affairs of our nation. We should fulfill the duties of American citizenship. Remember, freedom is our American heritage. Now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. I wonder if you've guessed yet which president this story really happened to. Well, keep trying, and later on I'll tell you who it was. As soon as uh, Commander McKenzie returned to port, a naval court held an inquiry into what seemed to be the official murder of three men of his crew, including Philip Spencer. Commander McKenzie, of course, occupied the stand most of the time. Commander McKenzie, this morning you told us you learned that young Spencer was attempting to undermine discipline aboard your ship. Please go on from that point. One day I was told by one of my officers that Spencer had approached him the night before with a complete plan for seizing the ship. Go on, Commander. We questioned Spencer and obtained possession of a paper he had prepared, entirely in Greek, in which he was proficient. When the paper was translated, we found it to be a detailed plan of the conspiracy. We knew then that the Summers was in real danger as well as the lives of all the men for whom I had sole responsibility. Commander, in your opinion, what was behind this conspiracy? Young Spencer deeply resented discipline, sir, and had persuaded himself and others that I was unnecessarily harsh. He was a clever, glib-tongued boy, and he made the others believe that they could murder the loyal members of their crew, safely seize a ship of the United States Navy, and escape with her to safety. And learning that, I had no choice but to see Spencer and question him. He immediately confessed to the entire mutinous conspiracy. Continue, Commander. I took the final decision only after long searching of my heart for what was right. My doubts vanished when, when young Spencer himself readily admitted that he deserved execution. I ordered his execution, and it was carried out. This naval court of inquiry finds that Commander McKenzie is not guilty. Miss Sarah? Miss Sarah? That's funny. Sarah. Oh, there you are. Good morning, Mr. President. I'm sorry to be late. Oh, that's all right. I I was just getting worried. Uh, You didn't sleep very much, did you? Just when the verdict was announced yesterday afternoon, sir, I, I looked at Mr. Spencer on the other side of the courtroom. I haven't been able to get his expression out of my mind. Mr. President, the execution of that boy was legalized murder. I heard every session of the trial. How could Commander McKenzie have been cleared in the face of such evidence? Miss Sarah, would you rather not stay here in the White House today? I can manage without you. No, thank you. It's horrible, Mr. President. I know it, Miss Sarah. I know it is. I couldn't sleep very much last night either. I was reading the trial record. 
No, I I need some fresh air. I'm going to take a walk around the grounds. I'll be back soon. All right. Good morning. Good morning, Spencer. Were you uh, coming to see me? Mr. President, you aren't going to let that murderer go free. What? The trial has got to be another. You can't let that verdict stand. Mackenzie can't escape with praise. What do you want me to do, Spencer? Use your high office for justice, sir. How? Make Mackenzie stand trial again. Make him tell the truth. Make him pay. You want vengeance, Spencer? I want him struck down. Yes, I want vengeance. On a man who did only his duty as he saw it? As he saw it. Is that to be the protection of every brute who hides his murdering instincts behind a uniform? His duty as he saw it. What about his duty as others see it? The decency and human understanding. Spencer, I understand your grief and your wife's, but you have no right to expect me to condemn an innocent man. You've lost all sense of proportion. Spencer, would you like to take leave of absence from Washington for a short while? Oh, no. Maybe you can silence your conscience. But you won't get rid of me so easily. I meant no such thing. I'm not going to leave Washington because I understand perfectly where you want me to go. Good morning, sir. Spencer. Spencer! Senator Johns, may I? Yes, come in, Spencer, come in. I just came into my office, Spencer. I was writing you a note of sympathy. Senator, you speak for a large group of influential men in the upper chamber. Is it true that my staying in the cabinet is embarrassing to the president? The president and I are not very close, Spencer, but we hear that's the case. And is it true that if he forced me out, it would turn half the Senate against him? That's a good political guess. What's in your mind, Spencer? When you say, yes, the Senate would turn against him... What do you mean exactly? We might smash that Southwestern Treaty he's hoping to put through. We might block every other cabinet appointment he might make. Spencer, what the deuce are you getting at? The president is using the death of my son to drive me out of the cabinet. What? He's protecting Mackenzie. He's using my feelings against me. He struck me from behind. Well, I'm going to strike him back. You'll find out how before today is over. <laughs> Mr. President, you've wanted me out of the cabinet for a long time. Now I'm going. What? Here's my resignation. Let me add that by now the entire Senate knows why I'm resigning. And the newspapers. Because of this distorted story you've told? You can't ride roughshod over human beings, Mr. President. There's a price attached to it and you're going to pay it. You can say goodbye to your Southwestern Treaty. You can say goodbye to getting any new men in your cabinet except men the Senate wants you to have because they won't confirm any others. Spencer, you're all wrong. There's my resignation, sir. Accept it and get me out of the cabinet. Now, as you see here, you're attacking me as if Captain Mackenzie were wrong. He wasn't. You forget he found a complete written plan for the mutiny and that Philip confessed to it. Those are hard facts. Do you or do you not want me out of your cabinet? Yes, I did. But from the moment your son died, that stopped being important. I don't want to ride roughshod over anybody. And I'm not doing that with you. Why bother to deny it? Because you're too fine a man to let yourself behave like this. You've suffered a terrible shock of grief. But you've got to accept it. You said yourself nothing can bring Philip back, but you want me to do an unjust thing to ruin a man's career. What kind of monument is that for your son? And you know yourself you'd, you'd regret this action of yours. You'd come to know that you can't soothe your grief with meanness and revenge. That's why I refuse to let you resign. Look, Spencer. 
I refuse to accept your resignation. Mr. President, you should have let him resign. Why did you refuse his resignation? For the reasons I told him. I can't let him go on thinking as he does. But he won't stay. He'll resign anyway. Oh, maybe. Uh, yes. President, what... Sarah just came from Mr. Spencer. Oh, hmm. he lost very little time, sir. Uh-huh. Dear Mr. President, I cannot apologize for my grief, but I can apologize for making you its victim. If I... If I resign now, I realize it would only confirm what I told Senator Johns and make your future relations with the Senate impossible. Therefore, it seems to me that I owe it to you to remain in Washington and to do my job as you have done yours. If it will make your cabinet problem easier for you to transfer me to the Treasury, please do so. I mean, John Spencer. Mr. President, I'm so glad. Well, friend... Well, sir, personally, I'm delighted. But politically, it's as true now as it was before. Spencer in the cabinet still means dissension. I... Well, I'm trying to put sentimentality aside, sir. Yes, so am I, Fred, so am I. We'll have to have a long talk. I beg your pardon, sir. Yes, what is it, Miss Sarah? What is it? Of course, I'm only a woman, and I'm supposed to be sentimental. But what's so terrible about that? You've just done a very fine thing. You saved a man from doing something he regret the rest of his life, and, and you may still get the treaty through, and... Well, why are you so ashamed of it? Miss Sarah, you're right. But instead of uh, crying about it, <laughs> don't you think we could smile? Well... Well... <laughs> yes, Mr. President. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, that's better, Miss Sarah. <laughs> Look, Fred, she's... She's actually crying. You've probably figured out by now who I was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and I'll tell you the answer in just a moment. Powerful, moving, nothing like it before. Those are just a few of the things people have said about ABC's Sunday program, The Greatest Story Ever Told. Every 30-minute dramatization draws its material from the oldest and greatest story, the story of one person who lived 2,000 years ago. During his lifetime... He was confined to a radius of 80 miles and reached only those within the sound of his voice. But his teachings and understanding knowledge left a lasting impression. The unforgettable story of this man is heard every Sunday on The Greatest Story Ever Told over most of these same ABC stations. Don't miss today's dramatization. Now here is Edward Arnold. The time of our story was 1843, 
And John Tyler lived in the White House then as Mr. President. You'll recall he had been elected vice president and became president when William Henry Harrison died after only a month in office. Throughout his term, President Tyler fought for a treaty for the annexation of Texas to the United States. And this was done during his term by joint resolution of Congress. The mutiny on the USS Summers actually happened, and the son of Secretary of War, John Spencer, was executed in a case that made naval history. Come and see me again next week, won't you? I'll have another story for you about Mr. President that I'm sure you'll enjoy. Goodbye. Arnold appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of High Wall, starring Robert Taylor, Audrey Totter, and Herbert Marshall. Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings. It is produced and directed by Dwight Hauser. Miss Sarah was played by Betty Lou Gerson. This story by Paul Milton was suggested by incidents in the administration of President John Tyler. Music was composed and conducted by Basil Adlam. Be sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company brings you another story of Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.